What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the First Gear Podcast. I just want to take this time to apologize for the delay in between episodes, and we appreciate everybody's patience in waiting for a new episode to come out. We have been try- really trying to dial in this, uh, this sound issue that we've been having, the echoing that you guys have heard in the background that's happened in almost every episode that no matter what I do, I can't find all of them to edit them out. So we've been trying different mixers on my end and stuff, and we finally found the combination that's going to work. So we're back. Race season has started again. And as you guys know, my name is Eric. I'm here with my buddy Tanner. What's going on, man? Hey, man, we are back. It feels like it's been forever, but we are back. Yes, facts. It's been way too long. It feels like it's been an eternity, but it's really only been like three or four weeks, I think. I hope. I may have just lied, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's been long enough, and it's not that we didn't try. What was there? Probably three or four different nights that we actually tried to record, and we got like 20 minutes in, and we're just like, we, it just, we couldn't figure it out. Yeah. We'd get a good stretch is, going, and then it would just, bam, there was that echo again. It just would not go away. Yeah, and we also, like, we listen to podcasts, too, pretty avidly, so we both have like, have a standard that we want to establish with this, and we don't want to be 27 episodes in and still have that issue going on, because this is not cool. You guys deserve way better than that, and if it t- takes, kind of like it did, a little break, that's what we were going to do to get it figured out. So, we've got it going, and I'm just super pumped to be back. It's perfect timing, too, because NASCAR season has started up. Racing is going on all around the country. Car shows are starting again. This is actually one of the bigger events of the year. Sick week is going on in Florida this week. Like, There's just a lot of stuff going on right now, and it's a perfect time to come back. I'm just ecstatic. Same here, man. I mean, it was a long, however long it was, and it was frustrating. And yes, it also didn't help that it took so long for some of the mixers to come in. That was another thing. You waited yeah. like a month for the one to come in. It was something absurd like that. But <laughs> yeah, and then man. the fucker didn't even, it didn't even connect to the computer when I got it in. That was the most frustrating thing. I, the day I got it, we tried to record and I swear I plug it in and nothing was happening. We we got a broken mixer after so long of waiting for a new one to come in. And this one was highly referred to me too, because I asked three or four people like, Hey, is this a pretty good one and stuff like that? And it just didn't work. So I ended up just buying the one that Tanner has at his house, the second one that he got. So Amazon special, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So for those of you that want to start a show, it is not that expensive. And if you want to go solo, it's even cheaper. It's like <laughs> 50 bucks for a mixer. This you can download, you know, whatever thing you want to use as a engine to shoot it out with. And like we use we use uh, what's called Riverside to edit the show. And because we like to have video so that we can it's weird. He's in Iowa. I'm in Missouri. So we like to, you know. It's like we're having a conversation because we can actually see each other through a video, even though we don't release them. But it just makes it much more fluent to do it that way rather than like a, a phone call or something. That'd just be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And, dude, I can't I can't help but just sit here and just be so pumped about this because that right there, just listening to you talk, is the most clear I've probably ever been able to hear you come through. And it's not that you weren't clear before but just the sound is so much more crisp and 
clean yeah. and just everything sounds so much better. Yes. And this is the product that we want for you guys. Because when we have guests, whenever we have people come on, we want this to sound like we're all in the room together. Like we're all just conversing in the garage, just having a good old time, cutting up, drinking, you know, drinking beer, doing whatever. And with the other setup, that's what that other mixer that I have is set up for. It's not really for this type of interaction. Um, it's got multiple units in it that will allow you to ha- talk to, you know, four or five people at the same time. And it'll just sit there and do its thing. And it sounds great like it did on the other podcast that I've done before. But for whatever reason on this system, didn't like it. It just it refused to work correctly the entire time. And it was so frustrating on my end because I could hear it echo in my ear whenever it would happen. And I'd be, try to take a mental note of the time that it would happen write it down or whatever. I could never find it again. It's like, where's Waldo with that crap? Just, you could never find it the second time. (laughs) Yeah. And so now if there's ever an audio issue, it's probably going to be strictly network related. And since we do this remotely, it'll probably just be an internet connection, but the actual recording sound is there. Yeah. So now that we're, you know, out of that, now that we're done with that, dude, there's been a lot of shit going on. Like a a just, lot, just between what we've been up to, just like what's going on in the automotive industry, racing industry. You're in the middle of, of building shit. a new house, and they, there's just uh, stuff yes. going on, man. The new house is oh my gosh, that's been the majority of my extra time right there. It is so worth it, and I'm this is zero complaints whatsoever because I've wanted to do this for probably five years, five or six years now, and it's just never been in the cards to do it. Um, our other house was a great starter home. We didn't intend on staying there that long, but shit happens. So we were just, we were there for 10 years, built up a ton of equity in the house, bought it in 2012 when the market was still down from the 08 recession and got married, immediately bought a house, got a car, got a dog, literally in like the same month and just did all the things that you think you're supposed to do when you become an adult. And nobody tells you that that's like not the way to go about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so in high school, they make it sound like, yeah, go get credit cards, go do all this stuff. They don't teach you anything about finance. You find you fuck around and find out the hard way. And that's what we did. So we were there for 10 years and now we're doing much better. So it's awesome. This house has a three car garage, which is my favorite part. I have not had a place to tinker on toys for over a decade. And the second that we're allowed to move in, I am getting, she can set up the house. I don't care how she sets up the house, whatever. I'll help put shit in walls or, you know, do whatever. But when it comes to the garage, that's getting set up immediately to start detailing cars, fixing stuff, start working on projects, bring stuff home to work on. Like, dude, the amount of, I probably won't sleep for a week when we move in just because I'm going to be working on shit the entire time. (laughs) I believe it, man. I'm pumped for you every time I get update pictures from me or anything or just see the progress and I'm pumped for you because I know what it's like being able to have a nice garage to work on stuff and just to be yeah. able to go out there, just have some alone time, work on your stuff, do whatever you want really. And it's just really nice to have. Exactly. And I was spoiled whenever I was a, I guess, teenager because we had a three car, a large, very large three car garage at my parents' house. Whenever I was growing up, I could, detail cars or you know fix stuff i was rebuilding c10 pickups motors doing whatever in that garage and it was awesome and then all of a sudden wasn't an option 
and we had to figure it out and just now getting back to it it's a it's been a long way to go to try to get back to just even some form of a place to work on my own stuff but it's cool and i appreciate all the feedback that everybody's been giving me about the house because i send people pictures and put up my stories and stuff and everybody's like man you're building a really cool looking house i'm like thanks i appreciate it never designed anything like this before in my life but it's turning out okay so i appreciate it, it. it's gonna look awesome man they uh <clears throat> The siding color you picked, and then the the brick on the front, just everything. I'm excited to see how you lay the garage out because, like you said, you oh, haven't had cool. the, you haven't had that much room in a while, and no, you're, you're gonna it's, have it. I think it's 800. It's right at 800 square foot of garage space is what it wound up being. So that's the third good bay, amount. smaller bay is going to be where we keep my wife's car, and then just lawn care crap and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and. The big two bay area, the rest of it, that is for cleaning, fixing, working projects, my trucks, whatever. That's my part of the garage. Yep. Yes. She said as long as she has a place to park the Jeep, she doesn't care. And I was like, game on. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Don't tempt me with a good time. (laughs) Exactly. I might just sleep out there for, you know, a month. I don't know. Hey, you might be able to build like a little hide-a-bed or something out there. <laughs> Get one of those hideaway beds that goes into the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay out there. Just piss her off on purpose. Be like, <laughs> just do something stupid intentionally and be like, oh, I'll just stop. It's fine. I'll just sleep out in the garage. No, sleep on the couch. No, sleeping in the garage. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm I'm super pumped for you because... I know how much work you've been putting into it and it's going to pay off. You're going to be able to do a lot of cool stuff there. And yeah, that's big time stuff, man. Yeah. I I don't want to say just yet what's going to happen because it's, I want to make it like, I want to work in it first and then we'll, we'll talk about what I'm going to be doing in the garage, but detailing cars, you're going to see a lot of, if you follow my social media, just a, just a hint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know what's going to go down, but... Well, you cla- know what's happening. There's an class- empire going to be built. <laughs> Classified information. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, dude, you've been building... We've been talking about me for about five minutes. You've been building race car for those years, dirt track season. And, dude, we've been having weekly meetings to get you set up with people to try to go racing across the country. And there's just been a lot of stuff going on. There has been a ton going on, man. Like pretty much ever since we got back from PRI and then I went out to Montana for that four or five days or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I think that was the last time we recorded an episode or the one that we released. But like everything since then, I mean, it has just been like hammered down. Like there has been no time for anything else. Like I go to work. And then when I get home, it's like hop right on the computer and start doing more work. And like, I haven't even had enough time really to get the sim time in that I've been wanting. Like there for a while, I was doing really good where I was doing an hour or two a night or trying to at least try to get like a hundred laps in of something. But yeah, man, I just, I really haven't had time all while trying to get to the gym in the mornings and Mm -hmm. then you go to work all day. And then if being a field guy and stuff happens and you got to work late and then 
come home and get on the computer and it's just, it's just a brutal cycle. So not only were we trying to get the show going again, like in a way we almost didn't have time to do the show. Yeah. There for a little bit, it was kind of screwed up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, it was bad. Like about the only time me and you were really even talking was like our weekly meeting. That was about it. Yeah, which is weird because usually we talk a lot more than that, or at least had been like talking a lot more than that. And I'm excited to see what comes of this race season for you. you guys got a good car built. There's going to be what 40, 50 races that you're doing, um, potentially yeah. more if things work out, or I should say when things work out. Yeah. No, uh, as of right now, I just finished up my schedule last night tentative um i got 40 races marked down so there's gonna be no shortage of racing this year and i cannot wait man like i have been this has been the longest like off season of my entire life because (laughs) the weather in iowa in the winter sucks and when you it's hard to get outside to do anything and you got a new car sitting there ready to just go racing it's really 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 hard to wait for the first race. Oh yeah. I would be in the same boat. Like, just like kinda, the, I'm kind of in the same boat with the house. Cause we're going to do drywalls happening this Saturday. And mm-hmm. as soon as drywall goes up, it looks like a house. Yes. Drive doors are going on. It just, it looks like a house. Concrete's already done. There's a lot of stuff already that's done. And the only couple things left are like drywall, flooring, cabinets, mm-hmm. uh, paint, light fixtures, stuff like that. I know as soon as the drywall goes in, I'm going to be sitting there going, all right, can we move in? Can we move in? Can we move in? When can we move in? Why can't we move in yet? I want to move in. Is it time to move in yet? And I'm not going to let it go. Yeah. Well, and it's like when you're building a brand new car and you start from the ground up, like as soon as you hang the body on it and pretty much get the body mounted, it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. all right, it's time to go. And then you start the engine for the first time. You're like, okay, it needs to be like, 70 degrees out and yes. race season like last week <laughs> right you're right. just sitting there going is it april yet when's april why isn't it april yet february fuck off it is april now let's go it's time to race yeah. <laughs> pretty much well and what makes it even worse is like earlier this week it was like 40 to 50 degrees out mm-hmm all the snow melted and everything was thawing out and it was getting kind of soft and muddy out. And I was like, man, this warm weather is really making the itch really bad. Well, <laughs> here we are in Iowa and we just got dumped on with like seven inches of snow today. So yeah, you guys get, it is, so, it's crazy how much of a difference four and a half hours makes. I, I can't believe it. And if you go four and a half hours north of where you're at it's even worse i know it's crazy they're they're just used to it but there's a lot of people here in missouri that would like they would lose their minds if they had the kind of winter that you had or have every single year they wouldn't know what to do with themselves yeah like i think it was monday or tuesday this week it was literally 52 degrees outside everyone's running around in t-shirts and it's just like yeah man spring's here well (laughs) three days later we get it was like mid twenties all day, but we got dumped on with snow. Like it's still snowing. That's crazy. We got spit snow earlier today, but 
Like two days ago, I was outside in a short sleeve shirt and shorts cleaning the house. Like, because we go up and clean and do whatever's needed every weekend just to help the process along. And I was outside in a t-shirt and shorts, walk outside earlier this morning to go on my morning run. And I was like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was shocking. I had to go back in and change. I was like, I am not prepared for this. I got to go put something else on. Yeah, like today, we got so much snow today. It was one of those days where you have to move snow more than once. That rarely happens here. That's crazy. See, what's what's insane about that is, is one of my other really good buddies is in Florida right now uh, participating in sick week, which is where I was supposed to be at this week, but it just did for, it just didn't work out. Nobody's fault just didn't work out. I couldn't go. And he's been sending me pictures of the beach and like sunny days and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, man, that's fucked. Like, what the hell? <laughs> well, it's like when uh, I went down to Daytona for the architects last year, like we left yeah. Iowa and it was below zero. We get to Tulsa for the chili bowl and it was like 20 or 30. Yeah, and we go to brave. then we go to Daytona, and it's literally like seventy eight degrees the first day we're there, and then we come back home, and it was still below zero. It's like, man, this sucks. <laughs> it just, but that's part of living in the Midwest, I guess. You just, it is well, what it is. I was thinking, of, I, it's weird. On my, I don't run with headphones in or anything. I just like either zone out or start thinking about stuff and. I'm training for a marathon is the only reason I'm running right now in the middle of April, me and a bunch of guys from around here are going to do a marathon together on the Katy trail. But I was thinking about like leading up to some of the other races, the endurance races I'm going to be doing and Mm -hmm. sitting there counting my blessings because being from the Midwest, we endure all of the ranges of temperature, every single one. It gets stupid cold in the wintertime or it can at least, it gets ridiculously hot and super humid like it does down in Florida and Texas. Not the mm-hmm. same, not the same volume, but it's, it gets just as hot sometimes. Oh yeah. And I sit there thinking about some of these races I'm going to be going to. I was like, as long as I just go outside and run, I don't have any prep to do whatsoever. I don't have to put like, do what some of these other guys do and put coats on or do whatever right. that live up North. And I'm just like, dude, I live in the best place to prep for anything. So it was one of those times that I was just very thankful that we live here because it's if if you go outside in the cold and do work, if you go outside doing work in the heat, just do whatever, you're prepped for what you're prepped for everything. And your body is accustomed to getting super screwed up with or super screwy. I I can't talk today. It's been a long day. But it's just it amazes me because I was watching some of the training videos that other people put out and publish and stuff that live up north mm-hmm. or way down south or whatever. And they actually have to think about it before they're going to go do a race in Arizona or whatever, which is the goal, doing a race out in you know Arizona to California through Death Valley. It's going right. to be 118 degrees during that race. Well, it's 110 or so here in the summertime. But mm-hmm. it also feels like you're having the life sucked out of you because it's 90% humidity. <laughs> Yep, to where as soon as you walk outside, you've already soaked through your clothes. Exactly. It's a it's dry miserable. heat. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what anyone says. If it's 118 degrees out, it's 118 degrees. That is hot. 
Right. Uh, if it's hot enough to boil an egg, you probably shouldn't be outside. But yeah. there are some special people like us that don't mind it as much. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Well, oh, dude. We've, uh, NASCAR season's already underway, man. I don't feel like I was prepared for racing season to start this year. Usually, I'm on top of everything. I know when the clash is going to be. I'm, you know, have it recorded and know when Daytona is going to be and stuff. And I had no idea that qualifying was last night. The duels are going on tonight. And then we're up and running as of tomorrow night. Truck race, Arkham and Ard series is going to be going and stuff. And yeah. I was just like, where the hell was I at? I wasn't prepped for this at all. I'm right there with you. Like I had no idea an individual car qualifying was last night. I just happened to hop on Twitter for a short, like five minutes last night. The first thing I saw was, uh, Travis Pastrana and, uh, Jimmy Johnson both qualified. And I was like, what do you mean they qualified? I didn't know qualified was last night. So I quickly just, kinda, <laughs> since I had it recorded, I just kind of quickly went back and skimmed through it. Just watched a few of the laps, but, Man, it just it just came right up, and it's happening. Yeah. I saw a crazy stat today, too, because I was doing trying to figure out who got the pole and who's on the front row and stuff like that. Bowman and Kyle Larson are on the front row, which is, again, insane. Because, well, every year since 2000, I think it was 2011 is what that stat said. Chevrolet is on the pole. Because it just, it listed 2011 to now what the manufacturers were for qualifying for the Daytona mm-hmm. 500. And it was like team Chevy, team Chevy, team Chevy, team Chevy, team Chevy, all the way to 2023 now. And this is Alex Bowman's fifth time starting on the front row, which ties him for, I think the most all time or second most all time with drivers <laughs> with names, including Richard Petty, Jeff Gordon, and a handful of others. It's just not right. <laughs> yeah. Well, him and Larson were on the front row last year as well. I think they might have been flip flop though. Didn't Larson have the pole last year, or did Bowman have I it? Think I can't so. remember. Either way, for, to, in my opinion, like getting the Daytona pole is one of the coolest things ever, and it's also one of the things that doesn't matter the most, if that makes any sense. Because it's pack racing. As soon as you start the race, you play to your team strategy or manufacturer strategy or whatever and you're probably not going to be there that long so i mean it's it's an amazing accomplishment to win the daytona 500 pole and i'm not taking anything away from that i'm just saying that it's amazing and yet eh, at the same time because you could start dead last and still win the race yeah that's just that's how that pack racing works man i mean and depending on the strategy some of those guys they drop back the first lap oh yeah Depends on what their team is doing. So, yeah, like, it, a lot of the <clears> – there for a while, it was always the Roush Yates guys were just immediately, like, DJ, Dale Jarrett, just straight to the back. As soon as the race start, excuse me, as soon as the race started, straight to the back. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of – a lot of teams do that strategy. They would rather just kind of ride around on the back for a while. And then you got the guys like Joey Logano, the Penske guys, I guess, Logano yeah. and Blaney that – they are just aggressive the whole time. Yes. And I'm pushing, pushing, pushing nonstop. This is just me. But if you put me in that situation, I believe in Dale Earnhardt Jr. strategy. Be up front and avoid everything. 
don't let the pack come to you. Don't just ride around in the back. Don't do whatever. Because you still, inevitably, if you want to do your job and go win the race, if you get in the back, you still have to pass all those cars. And there's still just as good of a chance of you getting caught up in the big one on lap 97 as there is 162. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of made me think of it. Speaking of the big one. Um, after the clash, they talked about how the bumper car still hurts. Yeah. So that. I'm going to be curious to see how aggressive they really get at Daytona this year, because what was it? The first time they went to Talladega, like after everybody was getting hurt and mm-hmm. like, it was a super boring race because no one wanted to wreck. Yeah. I don't blame them. So I, I'll be curious to see how maybe I'll try and watch some of the duels and see how that goes. But yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see because I know they made a bunch of changes to that rear clip, but still, I don't know. I don't know what the true fix would be for that besides a complete redesign. Cause this car, it's just rigid. No matter how you look at it, it's just a super solid, rigid car. Yes. And I think that the fix that I always look for, like what the real solution is. I don't like putting band-aids on stuff, which, you know, it's whatever, but the real, in my opinion, to fix every issue that you have with this car, you have to start over as much as they don't want to do it as expensive as it's going to be to redo the gen eight car needs to come out in 2024 and they just need to restart it. Um, They've had a lot of issues with fires. They've had a lot of safety concerns with this car. Like you're getting going up into the wall or backing into the wall or whatever. And Mm -hmm. evidently at the clash, that's not even, if you guys don't know what the clash is, it's at LA Coliseum. So it's inside of a football stadium. So they build a racetrack in a football stadium. That's like what, maybe three eighths of a mile, something like that. It is not really big at all. And these guys don't even get going that fast. And they were, plowing into each other at that race and they're like damn stop this hurts like knock it off Mm -hmm. we can still feel this a lot and there were guys that you know got turned around back to the wall were saying a lot of the same stuff and i'm like you guys are gonna they're gonna do something's gonna happen just like it did with you know a guy named Earnhardt senior in 2001 they fucked around for too long and then they found out and they lost a really they lost one of the best drivers ever because of it because they didn't take safety seriously up until that point. Yeah, and I I think NASCAR is doing a really good job of trying to figure out and make these cars safer. I but like you yeah. said, I don't I don't know. I think this is more of just a band-aid. I I guess we'll see what it's like when they're on full-size tracks and yeah. get into the season a little bit, but after getting to see firsthand Harvick's car that caught on fire at Darlington last year, and then yeah. getting to see how they actually tried to fix that issue. How they were kind of trying to plate off this area and try and keep that rubber from building up in that yeah. and that resin catching on fire. And it seemed to be okay the rest of the season. Like you didn't really see a fire issue again. But right away at the clash, Ty Gibbs went up in flames. <laughs> yeah. Literally. So like that tells you right there that whatever they did doesn't work facts and dude that wasn't even outside that was inside the car 
Like, yes. I don't know if anybody saw the replay of that, but that was inside the freaking car. That would be absolute. I would be shitting my pants because there is so much going on inside that car that can literally just combust. It's just that's terrifying. Just you, you cannot mess around with this. Somebody and is going to get. And it was a small flame to begin with. Like it was just smoke. Yeah. And then as soon as he got that car to a stop, it was like full flames. The whole inside of the car was on fire. It was nuts. Yes. When you can see it from the telecast, it's like 150 feet away from the car through the windshield. That's pretty good fire. Like, yeah, it's pretty good fire. They got they got some stuff to fix and figure out. And that that fire pretty much was the exact same thing that happened to Harvick at Darlington. Like, yeah, it, the rubber it just, built up in the exact same spot and it caught on yep. fire in like the same spot. And like. It. It. It just switched manufacturers. That was the only difference is a Toyota instead of a Ford. That was literally mm-hmm. the only thing different. And so they have theoretically, and I'm using quotation marks you guys can't see, they have solved, quote unquote, solved the problem with the Fords. And now it's just, you know, it may be an issue with the Toyotas. We don't know yet. Which really, I don't even know how that would make any sense because these cars are the exact same. Minus... Minus the stickers and like the molding of the noses and the tails. Yeah, they're all the. I don't know. I I I have a lot of strong feelings about this car, and a lot of them are not good feelings, because yeah. I I do not like the mass production manufacturing process at all. I get it to an extent to give teams that are you know underfunded and stuff more of a chance, but at the same time, you're not giving anybody a chance to be ingenuitive to you know do things to the cars like what they would do in the 80s 90s 2000s stuff like that to find a little bit of gray area and get some speed Mm -hmm. the cars are so close on time now too that if you're you know half a bubble off on anything setup wise you could be one of the best cars in the field one go around you know one cycle and then two cycles later you could be 28th which is insane and it's not that other than, and it's not that big of a difference in speed either. The disparity is not there anymore. Like, you screw around just a little bit, and you're done. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that I, I after this after last year, I think that the product on the racetrack needs to really change. the the yeah. gen The Gen Eight car needs to come out 2024, 2025, and just solve all the safety issues all at one time with a whole new car. I know it's expensive, like I said, and I know what the undertaking is like to do that. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be the hardest thing that they've ever done, releasing a new car in a couple of years. But for the safety of the drivers, for the product on the track, and for people to not get disinterested in the sport as it's you know starting to become popular again, I think that has to happen. Yeah, and... I agree. That's, it's just the biggest thing that bothers me is at the clash, like their average speed on the back straightaway was like 80 something mile an hour. And then in the corner, they're down to like 40. Yeah, it's not. And if it's jarring their heads that much at that lowest speeds, man, that's scary. Yeah, it's, we'll find out, you know, this weekend or they go to a lot of tracks where people seem to back into the wall or you know, get really, really aggressive with each other right off the bat. So we'll find out. There's a lot of really obscure rule changes that 
um, I just thought of that happened this year too. Like one of my yeah. favorite ones is the rule change for road courses that there's no longer going to be the stage breaks. Yes. I was like, thank you. That is genius. I hate breaking up the field like that and <clears throat> bring them all back together on road courses. Cause all it does is breed cautions and cautions at road courses to clean up, to do whatever. If they, you know, veer off the track into the sand, whatever it takes forever to clean that shit up. And it's like three or four laps on a short race anyways, that they're under caution and your, your driver, like, Say your driver's Kyle Busch. I don't care. Like, I'm just picking somebody. If he's in 25th and he's trying to work his way back up to the front as a fan, I want to see it go green so that I can see my guy work his way back up to the front. Mm -hmm. Well, and even at the Roval, when I was down there last year, the stage breaks were so long. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. It's like, this, this just does not need to be that way. No. Plus, part of the cool thing with road courses has always been pit strategy. It always makes for a lot mm -hmm. of late race drama, which is what everybody wants. It makes for a lot of, you know, surprises sometimes late race. You know, guys that probably didn't have a shot in hell of winning the race or whatever. They played the pit strategy and, you know, they, they hit the winning number and they got it right. And now they're in third place with a shot to win with fresh tires. And all they got to do is catch that guy. Like. I it's just that. like I think that's cool. It's just like short track race, and if it goes green to checker or has a really long green flag run, that pit strategy makes the race very entertaining. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm <clears throat> I'm very old school, and I do not believe that the sport would have grown as much as it did in the '80s, the '90s, the early 2000s. You know, if the product on the racetrack was not already great they just keep trying to make it more exciting and i'm using quotations again with more uh frequent wrecks it feels like like if they're not turning into the wall they're not doing anything right blah blah blah, blah. if there's not we need more cautions more cautions more times to get the field back together no just let the boys do their thing i don't mm -hmm. remember any statistic of like the most cautions in a race happening like whenever they read it on the teleprompter, it's always in the 2000s, 2010s, like, you know, whatever. It's never 1994. They had 15 cautions for some weird ass reason because tires were failing left and right or whatever. Like, that's fine. That That's a legit deal. But bringing them back together three times a race just for the sake of bringing them back together. I just don't. I've never liked it. The stage racing thing. Yeah. Sometimes I don't mind it, and then there's other times to where I wish it wasn't ever a thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I uh, The biggest concern that anyone should have right now is the safety deals with this car. Yeah. The whole fire thing with Ty Gibbs, that kind of bothers me. <laughs> because that, that issue was a while ago. Like, that should have been taken care of. Yeah, that was in fashion terms that should have been so last season like should be out of style yeah. by now yeah well and i see they're playing around with mufflers too which that was kind of surprising i didn't see that coming yeah well it's for because the clash is in the coliseum and the coliseum right. is in like downtown LA. i'm not 100 percent sure where it is but it's in a very populated area near los angeles or in la or something like that mm -hmm. and then the Chicago road course is literally through the middle of town. So right. 
they put the mufflers on to try to deaden the sound a little bit. And from what I've heard and what I've heard on like the, whenever I watch different videos on you know, Instagram or whatever that are comparing the two, it doesn't seem like it's that much of a difference. Unless no, you're didn't... really, unless you're really in tune with it, you don't really notice it. No, it didn't sound that much <clears throat> different. And it might be way more drastic in person, which I'm sure it is, but it, I don't know. It might not be. They were talking about it on Door Bumper Clear this week. Like they were listening to the cars going around with the mufflers on and off and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really say that it was that much different. I don't, I get it for, you know, if you're going to do this stuff in populated areas and whatnot, that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, try to make it as less ear piercing as possible for those that are not used to that sound because it's definitely loud as hell if you're not used to a race car. You and I are immune to it, but somebody that's never heard a race car before, fly by 190 mile an hour or whatever, dude, <laughs> it's a different experience for those people. It's like a new thing. Yeah. Well, and I guess I'm, I'm not super caught off guard by it. I'm kind of surprised that they probably don't do it more because even with some of the tracks we went to race in the midgets, there were some places we had to run mufflers, which was right. actually pr- pretty common. I mean, it's not that as long as they don't completely. This is conspiracy theory talk. As long as they don't deaden the noise to get us used to race cars not being loud so they can go electric, like, that's fine. We can right. we can make them better for people to not complain as much when racing comes to town, but race cars need to have sound is what I'm getting at. Yes. I don't want to see... 100% yes. I don't want to see NASCAR go electric or anything remotely close to that and again that's just my crazy we could go about this for hours with different topics but that's just my it's my crazy conspiracy theory brain going on right there that's half the reason people like racing is because of the sound yes well and like and like in the motocross world like they've kind of played around on the electric bikes and some of the riders say they're really fun to ride but like that's half the enjoyment as a fan is hearing oh, yeah. those guys hitting those uphill triples at the outdoors, banging yeah. the rev limiter. Like, yeah. that is what people want to listen to. If they just hear a little whining noise go over a triple, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He's jumping yeah. pretty high, but that doesn't sound very cool. <laughs> I didn't know he was riding a Bissell. Like, it's, it sounds weird, but, you know, it's cool. Yeah. That's like my father-in-law has a hybrid Toyota RAV4 that the electric kicks on whenever it's at low speed and the first time i heard that i swore to god there was a spaceship landing in the front yard because it made the weirdest noise that i've heard in a long time i was like what the fuck i was outside cleaning um the ranger after i first bought it with my mom and we're both just you know wiping down the interior got the vacuum cleaner on going to town we shut it off to go get stuff from the garage as he's leaving and it just makes this It sounded like George Jetson was leaving the fucking house. I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> we couldn't figure out what it was. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I don't ever want my cars to make those noises. They will violate all noise ordinances when I get a V8 again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's happening. Did you see, um, getting back to racing, because that's what you know the podcast is kind of about. Sometimes, unless we ramble about crap for, you know, 20 minutes. But 
Um, did you see that they're adding the choose rule to super speedways? Yes. I think that's I, I don't know how I feel about that because everybody's going to choose I don't know whatever either. lane is moving. <clears throat> like, how do you make, I don't think there's going to, especially Daytona, if the outside lane is moving real good, I don't see a lot of guys ever choosing the inside. It doesn't matter. Like if you gain three or four spots, cause you're going to lose it with the momentum of the draft. So right. what does NASCAR, my question was, what does NASCAR do if like everybody chooses the outside just because they can like, <laughs> what do we do? Know. Do you force people to go to the, or, or there's about 35 cars on the outside, five on the inside that chose to go there. Cause Hey, nobody's there. I'm going to pick up like 20 spots this way. Then we're going to go right back to the back. Cause we don't have any help, but you know, whatever, we'll try it out. <laughs> If they're going to do that, they might as well just get real wild with it and do what the sprint cars do and put an orange cone out there and single file start and you can't pass until you pass the cone. <laughs> it's kind of where it's headed. I just, I wish that it was simple again. Like I said, with the stage rules earlier mm-hmm. and everything like that, I know that it's not, it's not something that people used to be proud of being an NASCAR fan because it's so simple, you know, like Bubba J from Jeff Dunham used to say, it's so simple. You could follow it while you're hammered, whatever. That was the point of the sport, man. Like it was so simple to figure out that anybody could pick it up one weekend and just, just know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now you almost need to like, you need to have your buddy sit down with you with a freaking spreadsheet. Like this is what happens whenever this happens. This is the stage rules at this race. This is the rules at this race. This is, what's different between this race and this race and the short tracks and the long tracks and the choose rule and all this freaking nonsense. You get a point for this stage point for this stage. So many points for winning the race, blah, 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 blah. It used to just be all right. First, the 43rd simple. I got it for you. If you win and lead the most laps, you get 195 points. That was it. It was easy to follow. And then everything after that was a loss of either five, four or three points. I still remember this verbatim. Because it was simple to follow. Mm-hmm. The new stuff, I, I have to look up. I can't explain it to people anymore because I'm like, yeah, I don't know how many points they get for a win now. I think it may just be one. I don't know. I don't remember. But, but you know, like it's it kind of a common theme across. It's common across all sports anymore. Like, I'm, I've never been a basketball fan. I've never followed it. I just kind of <laughs> just learning about different, I know where different you're going players with this. and stuff. But like you, if you study basketball or anything and you watch like the Jordan era back in like the 80s and 90s and all that stuff, whenever that was. Yeah. Like the game was simple, but it was hardcore. Yeah. They they played incredibly hard. There wasn't a foul for every move that you made. Yeah. There like wasn't they the, were beating and banging, playing hard. There and, wasn't the LeBron flop. <clears throat> And like now, these guys, exactly like he just said, you barely, like these guys barely even touch elbows and they just like jump and fly 10 feet across the floor. It's like, what, what is that? Right. I'm sitting there thinking like they're, you you didn't, they're trying to, yeah, they're trying too hard to make it more entertaining when really they're just kind of ruining the actual sport itself. Yes. Like I said, out. Like I said, I'm very uneducated with basketball because I was a wrestler, so I just didn't watch basketball. That wasn't you're, ever my thing. You're not wrong, is the thing. But I've I really enjoy learning about like 
the mentality side of like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and stuff like that. So that's yes. where I get basketball knowledge, I guess. But like just watching some of that, them guys played so hard back in the day, like it was a full on bloodbath. Oh yeah. And then you see it today and it is just if you dude, it's so soft. I think it was the um the Detroit Pistons <clears throat> back in the day had the Jordan rule. It was literally just called the Jordan rule. If he if he gets in the paint, which is the little square right outside of the basketball hoop, you knock him on his ass. Like whatever it takes, you get the ball, you knock him down, you fuck him up the entire time. He would walk out of games with cuts on his eyes, you know, bloody lips, his nose was messed up. Like it was, it's not the same. And I wish that we would just go back to everything being simple. We don't need but- to have all this crap. It's hard for people to understand. It's hard for people to follow. People don't watch sports to get confused. They watch it for entertainment so that they can get what the fuck is happening, so that they can just relax for two to three hours and get out of their own heads. Yeah, and like I said, man, it's all sports anymore. Football is getting the same way. Yeah, what's a catch? Nobody knows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just there's so many different little rules. The the yeah flags or fouls that they call on any of these games it just it doesn't make any sense it's so confusing what was let them play ball (laughs) i understand the boys have at it mentality i really do because that's what they did you know for a long time and but they did it in a different way they did it with respect now like at the clash they were talking about this a lot on door bumper clear there was zero respect in the field like if you were after, if you were anywhere from fourth to last, you were if you passed somebody, and if they could even get inside your left rear quarter, they were just going to drive in there whether they could make it or not, and just turn you up into the wall, which is not racing; it's just ridiculous. I think they were saying, yeah. you know, damn near an hour to run twenty laps because there were so many cautions. Oh, it was insane, man! The second half of that race was just a disaster. The first half wasn't bad. Yeah, it was fairly clean and decent racing that second half i i think at one point i said i was like i think it's been literally 25 minutes and we've completed like four laps yeah because all they were doing was it wasn't racing i i you know congratulations to truex jr for winning the race but man that just wasn't that's not what i want to see on the track that's not a product that is sustainable at all you cannot go to any other racetrack that you know if they're carrying any speed into the corner you know how many tear, tore up race cars you do, had last weekend it'd oh, been man, it'd it been half crazy. the field it'd been insane you can't do that everywhere and i get that it's an exhibition race that's cool whatever but they need to do the exhibition race on a place that they can pass cleanly instead of just yeah. well he he's in front of me so screw that guy punt him into the wall that's not racing go to you know i don't care go to a they need a bigger track for the clash or they just need to go back again. This is just me being old on the inside. Just do freaking speed weeks the right way. Build the entertainment for the fans. Make it a super cool experience for anybody that shows up and it will become great again to steal a line from Donald Trump. That's what you had for two weeks. They used to go down there. And just race. It was right after a 24 hours Daytona. They were just down there testing, mm-hmm. doing qualifying, doing all, doing the dual races, the shootout, all the things. 
that was mm-hmm. so much cooler than all right we're gonna spend millions of dollars and repave a football and pave a football stadium to go race inside because we're trying to get the LA market even though you know inner city people ain't our people that that makes no sense whatsoever I get that it's a big market it's cool you know whatever it's a it's a humongous market for anybody to try to tap into but LA is different for whatever reason I don't understand why there's a reason that football teams have left have come and gone for years now and if you can't pull a football crowd in for a full you know fully packed rams or charters game what in the actual shit makes you think that people are going to show up for a nascar race right and i think that it looked like the attendance might have been down a little bit this year too oh yeah they said that they had like forty thousand people and i was sitting there going dang you could have had that at gateway for forty thousand people i mean come on and it would have been packed yeah, and I'll give props to NASCAR. They're trying something different to right. obviously try and grow the sport. Right. They did a good job doing that. It's definitely thinking outside of the box, doing something that's never been done before. That's cool. But also, the logistics of it makes zero sense. Like, <laughs> right? they're driving as far away as possible Yeah, for, for an exhibition race to turn around and drive all the way back. And then go to Daytona. As far away as possible and go to Daytona. It's well that was kind of the cool thing, you know, about doing speed weeks was you prepped, you know, for January, you did testing down in Daytona, you got your stuff ready to go, and then you once you brought your, you know, your cars down there, you knew that you were probably gonna get wrecked if you made it to the shootout. Like it used to be something that was like not everybody made it. You either had to be a I think it was a pole winner from the previous season, won a championship, or won a shootout in the past was the people that made it into that race. So it was a select few in the field anyways. And it was kind of like an all-star race before, you know, the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. And then they did whatever with the clash. But logistically, that makes a lot more sense. Or pick, like, if you're going to do short tracks, you do a real short track. Like, there's a ton of really cool tracks out near L.A. that are just out, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles outside of LA, they could have gone to. There's world-renowned tracks outside of that stadium. Or pick a short track in Florida. Yeah. There's no shortage of them there either. Like, no. I don't know. But I don't remember. I saw someone. Oh, it was Kenny Wallace. He made a video talking about it, and he was saying that he thinks NASCAR probably will be done with LA with the Coliseum race, but they probably have a three year agreement is what he's thinking. Mm. So you'd have to watch his video, but it, it made a lot of sense. Like, yeah, he's like, I think they're starting to realize that it's, it's good. They tried it. It was okay, but it's not going to last and they need to try something different. Yes. But they probably have to go back one more time because most likely they got a three-year deal for it. So, yep. I, I hear me out on this because I've been. This is something I've been wanting them to do for a really long time. <clears throat> With if you're going to do something like the Clash or some form of exhibition race, whatever. Okay, it's usually in February, right? So any place mm-hmm. north of, I'm going to say, mid Missouri ish is out of the question. You can't do it in February because you have no idea what the weather's going to be like. 
Mm-hmm. So you find all the short tracks, all the paved short tracks that are down south, Texas, Arizona, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Alabama, it, it, all of it down south. You pick one every year that's really well known for that region, like that maybe the car series goes to or, you know, some series I don't know about in any of those states go to. And you try to help build up that racetrack. So you bring the big boys down to this local track that holds like 20, 30,000 people and you make it a real thing. Don't overcharge for ticket prices. Just make it a week, just three days worth of excitement. Bring the truck series down, bring Xfinity down, make it for everybody and do what they're kind of doing with North Wilkesboro and doing that. I was just going to say, season. use the same. Yeah, use the exact same mentality and thought process that they're doing for the all-star race in North Wilkesboro this year. Yeah. Keep everything old school. Yeah. Keep the prices low, and it would be – I like that idea. I really do. And if they want to keep trying – if they want to keep trying this clash somewhere else, they Mm -hmm. need to do it that way. Pick somewhere different, but don't make it so logistically crazy. Yeah. That they got to spend however much money to go all the way to Los Angeles. Dude, just the fuel bill alone to go to L.A. for some of the small teams is not right. It's not cool. You can't do that to those guys. I know that they're theoretically saving money with a new car, whatever. They may be making more money depending on what they get on this new agreement between the TV deals and stuff like that. But still, like... (laughs) Do it someplace that everybody, if you're going to do it that way, everybody needs to be able to participate. Everybody needs to be able to not Mm -hmm. screw themselves over for doing anything else later in the season for that. Like, you don't need to do the clash before you go to Darlington or before you go to a good race throughout the year. I know they wouldn't do that anyways. I'm just saying it. Taking money from the budget to build a better car for that track to go to the clash doesn't make any damn sense. Well, isn't the second race of the year after Daytona? Fontana, anyways. Uh, yeah. Or it's Auto Fontana, Club Speedway, whatever. It's either they call Fontana it. or Phoenix, one of the two. But like, it's kind of backwards. Like, you're gonna drive all the way to Los Angeles for this clash, then you're gonna go all the way back to Daytona, mind you, not have any practice, just go straight into qualifying. Yep. That's really dumb. Facts. And then, <laughs> then go back to North Carolina, get your stuff fixed, put back together, and then head straight. Back to the West Coast again. It's like, if why? This, why? <laughs> okay, I, I think of the racing schedule like this. If this was a business plan and you presented this to a bank, like, hey, I need this much money to go do this. They would look at that and go, what? Why Why are you going from here to here, back across the country, back across the country again? And then you're going to go somewhere like, I think the next race is Atlanta usually or something. What are you doing? Like. Why not pick a circle, race within that circle for a little bit, go home, pick another circle, go within that circle for a little bit, go home, and then do it again and progressively work your way out west. Just do the southern tracks up out west. And then whenever it warms up, come May, you know, June, August, whatever, Midwest circuit. Go let the driver sweat to death in Indianapolis or whatever. Like, Yeah. So, like, here was the schedule this year. They went. Coliseum, okay. Then to Daytona, okay. Then they go to Auto Club, which is that's okay. Fontana, right? Yeah, it's California again, basically LA. Yep, yep. Then Vegas, Phoenix, and then all the way back to Atlanta. 
and then to Coda, okay. and then back to Richmond, Bristol, Martinsville, Talladega, Dover. I mean, it's just... Okay, at least that's, like, after you get, you yeah. know, done with all the nonsense out west, it's like, at least that makes sense, but... That's a lot of bouncing back and forth. Yeah. For the first, <laughs> like, handful of races, but... Well, you're not talking about just, you know, simply flying drivers to these places. You're talking about transporting... The teams, the cars, the equipment, all the stuff back and forth across the country in semi trucks over and over and over and over and over again, which is I, I I love driving more than almost anything else in the world. But if I was one of those semi truck drivers for the first five weeks of the year, I'd probably be pulling my hair out going like, why, why do we do this every year? You guys have any, you're the dude swiping the credit card bill for, you know, $800 to fill up those dual 200 gallon tanks. And you're just like, what are we doing guys? Do you not know yeah. that this and, is a bunch of the budget right here? I mean, at least when they start with Daytona and then go out and do the West Swing, it's not as bad. But that whole extra trip to L.A. first, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money, man, for an See, exhibition. <laughs> there's there's a lot of different ways you could do the schedule. and. I really believe that the guys back in the day kind of had the right idea. Go look at a schedule from 1992 and you'll figure out what I'm talking about. Or I'm not going to say the eighties because they didn't have as much track, have as many tracks on the, in the West coast region is what they do now, but go look at the schedule from like 92, 98, somewhere around there. See what they did. Made so much more sense than this there's just a lot of i don't know we've been talking bad about the sport for probably about 30 minutes now but like there's just a lot that could be better and it's not because you know we just want to bitch or you know we have gripes or any of that crap it's because we care and because we want people to be interested in the sport we want people to when they get into the cup series have a shot to succeed and not spend all your money on fuel, not spend all your money on traveling back and forth across the country, doing all this freaking nonsense, tearing up race cars, doing all this stuff. We're looking at it from like a, I look at it from an ownership perspective. Like if I'm an NASCAR owner and I got to put my cars, if I'm Hendrick Motorsports and I got four cars going to the Coliseum that are probably going to get tore up, that's expensive. And then you're going, you're doubling down on it, going to Daytona, which is known for big wrecks anyways. And you're talking about wrecking up to four race cars, which is completely possible between the two tracks. You're talking about tearing up four mm-hmm. race cars. That's three quarters of a million dollars just lit on fire between all of that. It's actually more than that because I think Denny Hamlin just said on his podcast, he just started that they're like $300,000 cars. <laughs> Sorry, I was wrong. It's yeah. $1.25 million. <laughs> And that's not even yeah. for like a Hendrick car. You're talking about nothing again. I'm not knocking 2311 racing, but he's not Rick Hendrick. He's not spending as much money on his cars as Rick is. So that's a lot. Even the other Rick, Rick Ware Racing, spends you know upwards of 300 grand on a car, and he's got three or four cars. They all finish damn near dead last every weekend, but still, like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, man. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm. I'm really, really, really excited for the all-star race. I think that is going to be a breath of fresh air for everybody because it yes. is the old school NASCAR coming back. Yeah. I um, think they're going to realize how well 
that strategy works. And hopefully that's enough to make them implement that everywhere because they're, it's sold out. Like I, that'll be completely sold out. And like, there's going to be people probably lying in the fences to watch that place. Oh yeah. It'll be, but there is zero reason every NASCAR race on the schedule cannot sell out. There's no reason they shouldn't. No, there's not. And it's, it's one of the things that we've talked about before our little, I'm going to call it a break before our break in recording that NASCAR has been dropping the ball on for a real long time. It was just like, they just expected to show up and people to be there almost and didn't build a lot of value in the fact that, Hey, we're coming to town. We're doing, you know, all these different things and whatnot. And they also weren't putting a good product out on the track. They started doing all sorts of, truly believe that the chase had a lot to do with the decline of the sport throughout the 2000s and in the early 2000s along with the car tomorrow and stuff like that and it's because they just did anything the fans wanted they did the polar opposite of and it was almost like it was on purpose because i remember reading articles about it like hey we don't want this the collective majority does not want this oh okay so you want us to make it more complicated to follow got it got it great okay cool we got (laughs) stage racing we got all this other shit going on and everybody was like, no, stop. I don't know what this is or why you're doing it or none of it makes any sense. Why are we redoing the point standings over and over and over? Like, what the fuck is actually happening? At least they've been consistent for the past little while with, you know, stage racing, points for this, points for this. And it's been consistent. Mm-hmm. But therefore, you know, from, I'm going to say, 04 to 2012, 2013. No, from... that's. Four to 14, because 14 was when they did the stage racing and it was like it is now. So from four to 13 was complete and utter nonsense. There was nine years of a shit show just happening for whatever reason. They were redoing stuff mm-hmm. on the schedule. They were killing off racetracks to bring in other racetracks, pissing off all their fans, <clears throat> doing all kinds of other stuff. And they were like, huh, people aren't showing up to the races anymore. I wonder why that is. Well, if you get the shit out of yours and listen you would know like you gotta (laughs) you gotta pay attention to what people were saying and a lot of what people were saying was hey we want more short tracks we want more um of the old school racing we want like why did you kill rockingham why'd you kill north wilkesboro why'd you kill half of these tracks that you did to bring in you know the city tracks bigger crowds more mile and a half tracks more of the same stuff and it was just really irritating. It was like they went to the same track for half the season at one point. You didn't even have to watch anything. You were just like, oh, it's another mile and a half. Cool. Okay. Another mile and a half. Okay. We get it. Another mile and a half. Okay. This is okay. Let's get kind of old. Another mile and a half. All right. Seriously, you need to knock it off. Another mile and a half. No, I'm not watching this one. Another mile and a half. All right. I'm done. Just quit. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it. Well, I'll, and- I'll watch the weekend. You go back to Talladega or Bristol. You can screw off for a little while with that crap. Just stop mm-hmm. it. If you look at something like college football, that's why college football is one of my favorite sports to watch besides racing is because it's simple. Those guys are playing because they're playing lights out because they're trying to make a career out of it. But every game, every stadium is jam-packed. Yeah. It's solid entertainment. Those guys play lights out. I mean, it's just you can't beat college football. Like, it is insane. That's why it don't I, matter where the game's at. No, it they just they're full. Yeah, even the 
the random ass football teams in Southeast Missouri State fill the freaking stadium. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. If NASCAR is going to do this kind of stuff, I would focus way more. This is just me talking, like, from, like, just from building a fan base perspective. I would focus way more on doing what worked back then than what may or may not work now. So, like, they're doing with North, North Wilkesboro. That is freaking awesome. Triple mm-hmm. down on that with all kinds of stuff. I would completely retool the truck series schedule to do the majority of, there's what, 22, 23 races on that schedule? Yeah, something like that. They would never go west, ever, except for the championship race. They would never go west. Kansas Speedway would be the farthest west they would ever go because logistically for those guys, that is too damn expensive. It would give more teams and more people a shot to like, oh, hey, truck racing prices are, you know, getting kind of reasonable again. I'm going to put a truck in like Norm Benning can't. He's back for the first time in a couple of years this year. Mittler Brothers truck's been out since 2018 because of multiple reasons. But one of the bigger ones is because of how expensive it is to race in the sport. There's a lot of guys that would come back and start doing like if you just went to IRP, went to the Milwaukee Mile, came to Gateway, went down to a couple short tracks they used to go to. They used to go to Disneyland Speedway, for God's sakes. Like, just that kind of stuff. Make it super exciting again. And the truck series took off when they were doing all that kind of stuff. Those trucks do not run well. Oh, yeah. And I don't care what anybody says. They do not run well at all on the mile-and-a-half tracks. It's not something that they're meant to do. I would limit them to a handful, not all, but like a select few like Texas, Charlotte, places like that, mile-and-a-half tracks. Focus on the mile. Mount a quarter, mount a third, and anything smaller than that. Stuff that's, you take a lot of the arrow out of it, give more people a shot to go win, and go about it that way. Xfinity, middle ground. You're getting used to going fast again. Like, you're going to more of the mile and a half tracks. You're following more of the cup mm-hmm. series sometimes. And it becomes like what it used to be where you could buy one ticket and go to the ARCA series plus Xfinity, plus Cup, or Xfinity and Cup, or sometimes it was, like, all four. Like, line the schedule up so these guys aren't spending a metric fuck ton of money doing different things, and that they can draw more of a crowd. I've never understood why they don't do that. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, we, obviously, we both think pretty, <laughs> pretty similar on yeah. most of the topics, but we're basically brothers. We're just not related. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I I really think, I hope the North Wilkesboro All-Star Race, I hope that event is, like, so massive that they have no choice but to make another one like it. Facts. Absolutely. Because I think it's going to be. There's no reason it like won't. that. Yeah, like that when... uh <clears throat> I'm drawing a blank. I can't even think of his name. Uh, wow. This is, is it, bad. Is it Marcus Smith? I can Smith? tell we're out. Marcus Smith, yeah. Okay. Man, we have been out of it for a minute. <laughs> Holy cow. I can see. But I, couldn't, when he, I was just going to blurt out names, so I eventually got it right. <laughs> yeah, but when he, uh, <laughs> when he was on the Dale Jr. download and he talked all the details about the North Wilkesboro race. I mean, mm-hmm. everything about that is spot on. 
Like that yes. is perfect. Oh, 100%. All the way it's down to the be price insane. at the concession stands is perfect. Concession stand pricing mm-hmm. is, I heard what it was at the LA Coliseum. Dude, a beer was almost $20 for one beer. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I think they said it on uh, Door Bumper Clear, and I'm going to get this wrong. It was like $18, eight or 18 and change, something around there. And wow. instead of water, was seven something. I was sitting there going, I would show up just because of that. Like, what the shit? Why? That's why. That is one thing that has always killed me about any sporting event you go to. You should never have to pay more than a dollar for a bottle of water. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like Like, that drives me insane. You're sitting there going, well, this is kind of essential. And I'm actually really dehydrated because it's 98 degrees outside. So can I have three bottles of water? That'll be $24. What? Why? Stop it. I could put half a tank of fuel in my truck for $24, you Neanderthal. Get out of here. Like, you can buy a case of bottled water with, like, 40 bottles in it for under 10 bucks. Right. <laughs> like, there, it should never be more than a dollar. I really ever. thought you were going to beer with that. <laughs> like you could get a whole... Well, even... A, you get a 30 bomb for 20 bucks, Budweiser. Like, come on. Well, even beer, like, I don't even know what a good price for beer would be. I don't, three I don't quarter. drink, so like just, I don't, I don't know. Like three bucks maybe. Yeah. I'd be fine with three and a quarter at a, at a racetrack or wherever I'm at. Cause I get that you got to make something off of it. I'm not telling people to do this stuff for free just cause I don't want to pay for it. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well maybe you could make it up with more volume if you didn't charge an arm and a leg for everything at the concession stands. Just a thought. People may buy more if it's cheaper. Yeah. It's like if one gas station somewhere around here was able to just put the prices down to under two bucks. I mean, they would sell out the first day. Everybody would go. <laughs> just saying. That's right. Everybody would go. Yeah. Man, but no, I'm I'm really pumped for that. That's going to be, I, that may be the best race of the whole year. Oh, I think it will be, hands down. At least I hope it's the best fan experience because that's what I'm mostly passionate mm-hmm. about. Like, I love the sport. I can't tell you to go love the sport. I can't make you go love the sport. But if there's any way, shape, or form that I can help with the experience of the fans, like just giving an opinion or whatever, and somebody goes and tries it and it works, that, that's awesome. That That's what I want to do because the fan experience is what's ultimately going to bring all the tracks back short tracks, the dirt racing, the dirt tracks, everything they need mm-hmm. to. You don't need, you know, fancy marketing or, you know, all this other stuff to attract fans. All you need to do is make it super enjoyable to go to make them feel like they're a part of something and make them feel like they're taking care of while they're at the track. Don't make everything super expensive. Don't make it inconvenient to get in. Don't make it a pain in the ass to do anything at the track. Take care of the people that actually show up. Go as far maybe as to if you're a short track and you want to build value. Take account for everybody pays with a debit or credit card. You know, figure out. Just do have them sign up for email stuff so you can send them a thank you card. So you can send them a thank you email thing or whatever just do stuff that's fan oriented mm-hmm. 
is what I'm getting at. Don't race until two o'clock in the morning, like what a bunch of short tracks do. Start earlier and end a little bit sooner so that mm -hmm. people don't leave at four o'clock in the morning and then have to try to do it all over again the next week. Nobody's going to do that anymore. Yeah. Like, well, and like you said earlier, man, we're vocal about this stuff because we really do care about it. It's not that we're dogging on the sport or trying to make NASCAR sound bad. We just really want the sport to excel. And that's why we're as vocal as we are about it. Yes. It's the reason it's literally the reason I'm into cars. Like, and that's been the most prominent part of my entire life since I was like four. And mm -hmm. it just becomes a big part of everything that you do. Yeah. But I don't know. We get a lot of good feedback. There's a lot more people that think the same way we do <laughs> than we ever noticed. But, uh, man. At about an hour 15 of us rambling for the first time back. But you still got to get a run in, man. I'm not worried about it. I got a hack. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a um, her, there's a treadmill in the basement that I'm going to use so I don't have to go. I already did my outdoor workout for the day, so I'm just going to mm -hmm. run on the treadmill. And it should be easier. On, I've been running on concrete for the past two weeks so it should be a nice little break for my joints and everything i take a lot of fish oh, yeah. oil but uh, sometimes it just doesn't help plus right. i don't know dude i speaking of fish oil i do like that fish oil you recommended that's not that amazing good it has the highest and we're getting off topic and this is dirty about fitness and nutrition but it's also what we're both into if you're going to go buy a fish oil you need to buy the stuff with the highest account of omega-3s and then look at the EPA and DHA of the fish oil. Mm -hmm. It also needs to be clean and clear whenever you pull the pill out, whenever you pull it out of the bottle. It does not need to be cloudy or miscolored or anything. It needs to be like a gold, a gold clear caplet. Cap, yeah, caplet, I think. Or just soft gel. Yeah. Sorry. it's a. I was thinking yep. pills for some reason. It's a soft gel. If you get anything yep. other than that, that's where you get it wasn't processed correctly. It wasn't um, made. It was made with a lot of high heat, which causes the fish burps. It causes, you know, it to be uncomfortable whenever you do take it. And that's, you know, if you need a recommendation, Arazo Nutrition, go look up their fish oil on Amazon. It's like 24 bucks. It's the best one you can buy on the internet right now that I have found. Yeah, it, it does make a difference. And the one yes. I use from first form, it's, that's a really good product too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like the, the full mega from, first form is incredible facts but when you're super brutal to your body <laughs> like we are yes and, you're... and we have like joints of a 70 year old man we need just that little bit extra potency of fish oil yeah plus i absolutely the the, the full mega from first form actually digests a little bit better than what this one does but yeah it does i'm trying to ball on a budget and that's just what I'm going with for right now. I'll go back to that whenever my classified information takes off. <laughs> yes. So then I'll go back to it. But, you know, when you got to take, I take probably five or six of those a day, you know, three in the morning, three at night. So I need a lot yeah. of, a lot of help with that. And it does help. It's a huge difference maker. Oh yeah. I turn people to fish oil all the time. Well, it's a foundational 
now we're going to get super nerdy. It's a foundational supplement, uh, multivitamin, fish oil, and I would even go as far as to say a good protein powder to have on hand all at all times is my essential go-to things, along with a, some form of a green supplement that you can rely on because everybody lacks in multivitamins. It's called micronutrients. You don't get those from your food. You don't get them from anything else. You have to get them in the form of a pill now because our food fucking sucks. Fish oil, it's the same way. You'll never get as much of it as you need from food unless you actually eat salmon or fish or shrimp or whatever all the time, which is very rare because our diets suck. So you supplement it with a fish oil. Mm -hmm. Same thing. We live very carbohydrate-based heavy diets. And you need to get protein in throughout the day. It is literally the amino acids that build everything from, you know, muscle to eye to every skin it helps with your digestive system it helps with everything and everybody lacks in protein and then greens because again our food sucks and it helps with mm -hmm. the digestion process of whenever you do start eating a little bit more if you do it helps you with digestion and it also helps your gut biome which is look it up a lot like your second brain um if your gut's messed up it can lead to anxiety depression you know not being able to sleep at night because of bad indigestion and all sorts of other stuff. But I'm going to get off of that because I could talk about that all night too. I used to. And anybody, anybody listening now knows what it's like a day in our brains. We have the attention <laughs> span of a fly and we can go from talking about the all-star race and $3 beers to talking about gut health. So <laughs> hey, it's called, it being, it's called being a Swiss army knife, man. You got to know a little bit about everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it comes to, well, I only know about the essentials, racing, cars, and fitness. Like everything else is just kind of meh. I know a lot about football too, but that was just because I grew up with it. And also my <laughs> team just won the Super Bowl. So yeah, I didn't think that that would happen twice in my lifetime for the longest time. I'm 32 years old. And up until we got Mahomes and Andy Reid together, it it wasn't going to happen. Just wasn't going to happen. So I'm super pumped. They've won two of the last four, and hell yeah, brother. Yeah. Well, I'll make one last comment, and then I'm going to have to get off here in a couple minutes. But uh, I'll give props to Patrick Mahomes. That dude is way tougher than I ever thought he was. Oh, he's a monster. Like, I, I never doubted his talent. I never doubted any of that. I knew he was a incredible quarterback, but I did not know like he was as tough as he is. Like the way he played, like barely being able to hobble off the field and then still running the ball 20 yards downfield to make a huge play, like yeah. That's that's like goat stuff. That's that's <laughs> that's why he's like that's incredible. That's why he is the way he is. What What's crazy is nobody, nobody, well, just like nobody expected him to win at all this year because we lost our best wide receiver and a handful of other guys. Nobody expected him to do anything out of college. Nothing. They they thought that he was going to be gunslinger, throwing inter more interceptions and touchdowns, just horrible. And they couldn't figure out what they saw in him, and now they know. Mm -hmm. You You coach him up, and that's... 
if he keeps this up, he's going to wind up going down as the best to ever do it. So my hope is that he gets... He's, in, he's incredible. I hope he gets the opportunity to and he stays healthy. And that's not just because I'm a fan. It's because I want to... It's not because of he's on my team. It's because as a fan, when people are that good, I want to see them continue to have the shot to be that good. Just like Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush. You know, we're going back to racing. Christopher Bell. A lot of the guys that have the raw talent, I want to see them in top flight cars. I want to see them in the best equipment because I want to see what they can do. Like, I want to see how mm-hmm. much they actually can dominate. Absolutely, man. So, talk about football, racing, fitness. We talk about that crap all night. Did you say you got to go? Yeah, I got to get rolling here. All right. Well, but- oh. It is almost 8 o'clock. I got to eat and then get to my run slash whatever. So, yeah. We're back, man. (laughs) I'm excited to be back. This is by far my favorite episode that we've done just for the simple fact that everything has stayed, you know, I've been watching the screens, watching everything, and, oh, not hearing that echo is just so good. So good. Like, the only happy. thing the only thing I've heard a few times is a little bit of internet connection here and there. But yep. otherwise the sound is well, it's there. The good news is when I move, I'm getting that charter one gig and that ain't happening no more after that. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. But but no. I hope everyone enjoyed our little ramble session here, but <laughs> We're knocking the rust off. It's been a little bit, but we are yeah. pumped to be back because we look forward to this every time. Oh, fuck yeah. Plus, if it entertains, if mine, if our nonsense entertains other people, that sure, fine. That's awesome. And we do really, really, really appreciate everybody that was reaching out, everybody that was asking, like, hey, when are you guys going to start the show back up? Because he wasn't alone in the DM berate that he got. I got a bunch as well and i know who it was and thank you um share the show if you got any value out of this whatsoever if you learned anything about racing nutrition football basketball whatever we talked about tonight there you go (laughs) share the show is what we ask that's how we grow we don't advertise we don't do anything like that so that's that's how you you know help us out is just share it on your social media we'll make this episode live within the next day or so and other than that tanner how are they going to follow you on social media Guys, follow me on Instagram at underscore Tanner Allen underscore and then on Facebook at Tanner Allen Racing. And like Eric said, please share the show. We know you guys have been listening because, like he said, we had an overload of DMs or people asking us, hey, when's the next episode? People constantly asking, when are you going to record next? Well, we're back. We're going to get the ball rolling just like we did before. And yep, we're pumped. We've missed it. And finally, it feels so good to get that issue resolved. So yes. thank you, guys. We appreciate it more than you know. Exactly. I'm going to end on that. If you want to follow the podcast, please feel free to do so. We are at First Gear Podcast on all social media channels. If you want to follow me, I'm the Captain of Cars on Instagram and everywhere else you can find social media. Have a great week, guys. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya. See ya.